and welcome to another episode of my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, podcasting on a quiet evening. I just uh, prepared a nice Italian pasta. And now I'm a little bit drowsy, but I'll try to stay awake for the uh, next hour or so to bring you my weekly show. <laughs> As always, this episode is brought to you thanks to my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatheroderick. If you choose to join them, you will get another podcast every week that I record specifically for my patrons as a thank you. It's called Father Roderick to the Max, and I've got a lot of cool uh, topics to talk about this week. I'm going to uh, talk about Italian food, give some recipes. I'm going to talk about the myth of multitasking. I read an interesting book about that. Um, I'll also expand a little bit on my adventures um, at Elfia, which is a fantasy fair that I went to this weekend. And I had a sleep mishap happening. And so I'll tell you all about that in Father Roderick to the Max and much, much more. But that's for my patrons. For you, whether you're a patron or not, I am going to talk about a ton of things in this episode. Amongst other things, a potential cure for long COVID that has been discovered in Germany. Very exciting news. Um, I will give you a summary of the books that I read this week. I read five books in seven days. I'm so proud of myself. I shouldn't say that, but I am. <laughs> um, I'll talk about the patron saint of cats, which I discovered today. And I'll, I'll tell you why this female saint has become the patron saint of cats. It's an interesting story. And I'll give you my first impressions after having seen the uh, movie Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which is currently the box office number one in the United States. That is because you guys don't have June or Dune, or however you want to pronounce it. But we have Dune, and Dune is number one over here, and rightfully so, because it's a fantastic movie. But Shang-Chi is also extremely entertaining. So I'll give you my thoughts on that. And of course, we need to talk Apple, because Apple presented a whole slew of new devices, new software. I just finished installing iOS 15 on my iPad, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my impressions there. And... Possibilities for 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 my own business and the things that I do because there's there's one element of of the, especially of the new iPads that I think could be extremely useful. We'll talk about that later, but first of all, let's talk about the news. You know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. While I'm starting the show, there are also a number of people that are entering the chat room because I'm streaming this live. I always try to do that despite the fact that the internet here is a bit unreliable, so I never know how long the stream is going to last. But I just want to uh, mention some of the uh, friends in, in the chat room just to introduce you to them uh, because you, of course, may be listening to this days after the fact. But we've got a 17-year-old uh, boy from Belgium who is tuning in. Uh, he says, you are making me feel very relaxed, and I love that you are a Star Wars fan too. That is awesome. We've got Mike Huypers who is there. Good evening or good afternoon, Mike. And we've got Flying Car, Joe Kim Angeline from the Netherlands, a fellow fantasy lover who I met this past weekend. And we've got Raiko, Evo is there, Joachim Cliff is there, Lionel, Mateusz, and many more. I apologize in advance if I didn't uh, 
uh, call your name. But it is just to, tell, to let you know how happy I am that, that I'm doing this with the community. There's, there's always this occasion to meet each other and to chat about the cool things that, that we love. One of the things that I did recently was to go to this uh, fantasy fair, Elfia. Uh, it's actually called the Kingdom of Elfia, so they, they present it as if it is a country that you enter. There's even uh, a guard and a frontier. And so when you arrive, this is, of course, uh, also an occasion for most of the people to, to, to make beautiful costumes. Uh, when you arrive, there is this line, literally, on the pavement. This usually takes place uh, on the premises of a, of a castle. So in this case, it was in the south of the Netherlands. Uh, in Arsen, there is a, a castle with incredible gardens. That is what makes it so, so special. And we had a wonderful, wonderful weekend weather-wise. The sun was shining. It was 22 degrees Celsius. Um, so you arrive at that, that border, and there is even a, a sign that says uh, you're entering the kingdom of Elfia or the gate to fantasy or something like that. And, and you have to jump over it. So it's literally jumping into another reality, which for me is the whole fun of a weekend like that. So I took the weekend off here. So I was not assisting in the parish. I was staying with a family who runs a bed and breakfast. They have a chapel, so I celebrated Mass with them on Sunday. And so it means that I, that was literally like three kilometers away from the, from the castle. So I could go there the entire day, and it was so much fun. And what made it extra special is that this is the first fantasy fair f since a year. All the other events had been canceled because of COVID. Um, but just recently, the, the situation has improved so much in the Netherlands that we no longer have to keep that physical distance of a meter and a half. Uh, plus, uh, there are other restrictions that have been lifted. And this is a mostly an open-air event. So despite the fact that they limited the amount of tickets, there were still uh, thousands of, of, of fellow fantasy fans in, in all sorts of costumes, even Star Wars. There were a lot of stormtroopers, and it was really great because I hadn't seen my friends of the 501st for uh, for even longer uh, last year i was also at elfia uh, but there, there were hardly any star wars uh, um, uh, people or people in star wars costumes but this year they were there were people there and i was like so happy to to be able to talk star wars even the way even though i could have done an entire just only star wars weekend because there's so much cool stuff happening in the world of star wars so much to look forward to um and and just reconnecting with people that I hadn't seen for a year. I mean, I realize, even though I am an introvert, it's these weekends that I really recharge my social batteries. And and what I also like about the situation is that, you know, everybody is there for the same purpose. We're all there to enjoy kind of the stories that we tell with these costumes, the, the various franchises that are celebrated, because you've got just such a wide variety. Uh, there, You've got people dressing up like Marvel characters or Disney. There are tons of princesses walking around there. Uh, you've got fearsome warriors. You've got anime. Um, and it's always fun to start a conversation with people how they made the costume, because all that is, is just... You know, homemade there's always good food as well so you have stands where they prepare food and it's usually this this fantasy fair food which is very different from what you would eat at home so you've got like one of my favorites is garlic bread where they make fresh bread so they bake it there 
And then they add garlic sauce and some tomato sauce and some onions. And then there are lots and lots of plates with all sorts of ingredients that you can add to it. It's vegetarian. There's no meat. But it's just the fun of, of making your own your own garlic sandwich and it hot oh, it's so it's so good uh, so that's a staple unfortunately there were quite a few um, of the the more the barbecue stands that uh, were unable to come most of them come from Germany and I think that the restrictions are still um, in place in in Germany so a lot of those stands uh, uh, or, or those uh, entrepreneurs couldn't come over. Uh, but nevertheless, had a wonderful day. There's also also music. It's it's this year the music wasn't that good, unfortunately. There were some smaller uh, groups that were okay, but on the main stage it was us- usually kind of I don't know. It was just loud and and not the kind of uh, music that I associate with fantasy. Um, there is another f- fantasy fantasy fair. Uh, a little bit earlier in the year, it's called Castle Fest. Also takes place at a huge castle near the uh, park where they have all the tulips. You may have heard of that one place in the Netherlands where everybody goes to see beautiful tulips. Well, close to that, or actually on the premises of that park, there is also a castle, and and that is my favorite music festival because they have a lot of like Irish groups and uh, folk music and it's uh, bagpipes and that sort of stuff and that is what I associate with uh, with the world of fantasy which is kind of my own limited frame but anyway it was I had a great time uh, I was I was very exhausted afterwards <laughs> but uh, wow that that really was what the doctor ordered and I'm so happy to uh, look forward to, hopefully next year, all the regular festivals. Um, that is, of course, if the situation stays as, as good as it is. Also, good news, I am about to move. It is finally there after almost half a year. It will be exactly half a year when I move. On the 1st of October, on the Feast of St. Therese of Lisieux, I'm going to move into the rectory. The past few weeks, I've been working hard to make sure that everything that needed to be done gets done and it was a lot of negotiation because of everything that has to be fixed also costs money and of course I'm just renting the place but I'm also investing in the place from my own money because I want to stay there for you know a number of years um, but then it's always you know what is the parish going to pay what can they afford what is Tridio going to pay because of course I'm also working there okay, I'm, we're a we're, uh, Uh, a work-from-home organization now. So this is not just my home, but it's also my office and it's my studio and everything. Like the kitchen was designed so I could stream from the kitchen. I could film videos from the kitchen. Um, So all that, of course, is... is, Oh, it's so much work. Um, there, there's the electricity that had to be redone completely. I've been in negotiating with uh, a, a company and with the parish when it comes to the the radiators so seven radiators had to be uh, replaced and it was expensive and so we were trying to find cheaper alternatives turns out after a second opinion that the original offer wasn't that bad and so i finally was able to give them the green light but now those radiators still have to be ordered so i don't know when they're going to install them it may very well be that i'm going to be very cold in the in the next month however I've been living here in the attic of Father Henry's rectory for half a year now. And the first three or four months, I've been so cold. Because 
there is one tiny, tiny radiator in this in this room, and it doesn't work because it's linked to the um, not to the rest of the house, but strangely enough, it is connected to the uh, thermometer in the parish hall, so where they have their meetings. So it's only heating when people have meetings there, which is almost never, especially not during COVID. So. Uh, there have been weeks that the maximum temperature here would be like 14 degrees, 14 degrees Celsius. And I would sit here at my desk with my coat on and, and three pullovers, and I was still shivering. And I, I remember mostly my hands. They were so cold. And then when you have cold hands and you have to edit, it becomes very painful. It's just like everything is, is, is um, I don't know, it, it, was, it was not... It was not fun. Um, but I've, I told myself, I am going to move no matter what. If the, radi- the radiators come in November, tant pis, as they say in France, I will just make a fire in the backyard and sit there. You know, we'll just go Viking for a month. But I am so ready to move, and I'm super excited. Uh, th- today and tomorrow, and then on Monday, they're going to finish the floors which is super cool because I already have the laminate in the in the living room, which looks very very nice. Uh, but they're gonna put some um, PVC tiles in the in the hallway and in the kitchen, so it will look look like stone, uh, but it is in fact plastic. Uh, but it's high quality, um, so it's easy to clean. But they had to like it's completely gonna cover the very ugly tiles that that were there. This house was built in the fifties, and well. In the 50s, the Netherlands was still recovering from Second World War, and it was just economically not a very good time to build houses. So a lot of the house, that's why this renovation was so costly. Everything has been done on the cheap back then, and now we're kind of upgrading it to normal standards. Um, But it is looking so much better. Then they're going to put carpet on the staircase and also on the upper floor i'm really 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 liking that because i in my previous rectory i had laminate all over the place and the downside what i like about laminate is it looks pretty and it's it's somewhat easier to clean than than carpet the downside is it's very very echoey and i noticed that when i was recording my shows my podcast my live streams there would always be this echo whereas now with the carpet, I'm going to be back to the situation that I had in my first rectory. When I first moved to Amersfoort, I had carpet on the entire upper floor. And there were rooms, and people that have visited me remember that. You would go from the hallway into a room, and all of a sudden it would be almost completely dead, uh, echo-wise. Which is perfect if you do a lot of audio work. So I'm really looking forward to... Uh, to experiencing the house with the carpet in place because I think it will also give more warmth to the entire house. It was all like um, kind of very old-fashioned, uh, I don't know, it's like a flat floor upstairs. It wasn't very, wasn't very um, warm. Uh, but anyway, so, and then there is also another thing that I'm looking forward to. And that is, uh, I'll have the main, my main workspace or my studio will have just one desk. That is where I will do all my streaming. I will also have a green screen like I have here. And I will, uh, I will have the rest of the room for VR. 
So I deliberately did not plan any other furniture in that room. So it's going to be this big rectangular room where I can walk around. And for the next foreseeable years, that is where I will try out all my VR gear. And I am so happy to have a regular rectangular room. Because I remember playing with the Oculus Quest at the old rectory. But that, that every, every room was uneven. And there would be cupboards and there would be furniture. So in VR, in order to prevent you from bumping into furniture, you have to trace uh, a safe space on the floor. Like you do that literally with uh, a pointer and you trace a line on the floor and you tell the software, this is where it's safe to walk. And the moment you you get closer to a wall or a door or a TV or, or a chair, the VR world will disappear and the real world will appear in, in black and white. Um, so you know that you're going to bump into something. And that I always found that extremely restrictive because the, the, the total amount of space was very, very small, the safe space where I could walk around. Whereas VR just needs this immersion. I was playing this, this Star Wars game, which is fantastic, where you get to face Darth Vader and, and you're walking around in a space in, I think on a Star Destroyer or something like that. And then every time the, the the real life would interfere and I would get too close to a wall and, 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 and you have to fight Darth Vader with a lightsaber. And I was just afraid to, to, to let go of my fear and let the you know, trust my feelings because I was afraid that I was going to hit my TV with the controller. That is how small everything was. Now in my new house, that will be a lot better. So, uh, but most of all, I'm, I'm so happy that I'll finally have my own home, my place where I can receive friends. It's got a nice big living room. I never had a living room where I could fit in more than four or five people at max. Now I have a living room. I can invite 10 people for dinner uh, and there will still be room. I will have a, I've designed in an Ikea planner, um, a uh, part of the living room where you can sit. I want to buy two couches. I never had a couch. Well, I had a couch in my first rectory, but it was a very uncomfortable one. It was like a secondhand one that I bought from the the thrift part of Ikea. And I, I was never happy with that couch. Now I'm going to buy two nice couches. And then I have the two, I call them Harry Potter chairs because they look a bit old-fashioned. And, um, and you can even place... Uh, two more chairs in a circle so I can have eight people. Um, and then we'll, I'll be able to watch, you know, the next season of The Mandalorian with friends. I'm so looking forward to that. Oh, my gosh. And, oh, my gosh, I, I, I can't stop talking about my new house and how, how much I'm excited about it. I will have another room that is specifically um, fur, furnished for uh, for Lego to create cosplay costumes, Star Wars costumes, Stormtrooper helmets, you name it. It's my hobby room, and it has a wired internet connection, so I can do streaming again. I can finally uh, uh, start my my Lego streams again, which was so much fun, but I haven't been able to, to do that for, for more than eight months. That's how long I've been in this, uh, in this uh, hell of, of moving. <laughs> Soon, things will get better. I'm excited about it. And one more thing. As I told you last week, I am now very close to a great uh, movie theater 
And I watched another movie, and I'm going to talk about it right now. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. So, I finally got to see Shang-Chi... I'm probably mispronouncing that because they make a point of that, of pronouncing that correctly in the movie itself, and The Legend of the Ten Rings. This was a movie that I'd been looking forward to because, first of all, I'm a Marvel fan. Secondly, because everybody said, this is unlike any other Marvel movie and it's really great. And thirdly, it is half Chinese. Almost all the actors involved are Chinese And there is a lot of Mandarin that has been spoken in the movie, especially in the first part. Now, I'm a quarter Chinese. My mom is born in China, in Shanghai. And a couple of years ago, I went on a journey with her to find her roots in China. And so I've been immersed for, for more than two weeks in this Chinese culture, and which is kind of part of my own heritage. And so I was really curious to see how they would uh, implement these Chinese elements in the Marvel Universe. Now, for me, the, the, the best part of the movie was the first fight. You see this, uh, the father of, of, of Shang-Chi, that's what we discover afterwards, and he possesses the Ten Rings, and he's been, you know, living forever almost. Well, actually, I think he's, the rings give him almost eternal life, at least eternal life here on Earth, um, make him extremely powerful. But then he comes across a small village hidden in a forest. It's very mysterious. It's really, I loved how they, they, they visualize that. He has to cross like a, a bamboo forest. And only once a year, there is actually a, a kind of a maze that forms and you, you can reach the village if if you go fast enough and it's it's this really tense uh chase through the through this this forest to get to the village and then before he can enter the village he has to fight uh a young lady who uh also proves to be extremely powerful and is able to withstand the power of the 10 rings and that is a first in his life he falls in love and then gets a daughter and a son and the son is called Shang-Chi, but the daughter also plays an important role in the movie. In fact, I, after having seen the movie, I thought that they should have put both names in the title because the daughter is just as powerful as her brother and her brother wouldn't have been able to 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 be victorious without her. And, and how original would it have been to not have just one superhero, but to have a brother and sister... Uh, I really hope that in the sequel, which is coming because they announced it in the after the credits, uh, she will have a, a, a more equal role because I, I felt that, that these two belong together. Um, and in fact, the entire movie was about this family that is discovering how to fight evil um, with, with these ancient powers. Now, I'm not going to spoil the, the story for those of you that haven't seen it. Um, it is... Uh, the story is 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 told very well, um, but what the movie 
stands out for is the choreography of the fight. So this first fight between the father of Shang-Chi and this lady is almost like a dance. They do a lot of wire work, like we've seen in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that sort of stuff. But even more, I don't know, it's it's, it's, it's even better. Um, you, you really... You know that they have have used wires, but because they blend it with CGI, um, the entire thing becomes so visually stunning. And that was the case for a, a number of these fights, where you're, it's almost like watching ballet, ballet. Uh, <laughs> but but it's not ballet because they're fighting. But it is really really beautifully done. Um, and I was very sad that the mother of Shang Chi kind of that's we don't see much of her. And I, I, I felt that you could do an entire prequel with her because she was, I think, one of the most charismatic characters in the movie. Shang-Chi himself is actually, I don't know, the least interesting guy in the entire movie. I hope I'm not offending anyone here, but I thought that he was rather bland and, and, and not really... I mean, he didn't stand out in any way. He wasn't particularly funny. He wasn't particularly... Uh, powerful or smart and maybe that's his appeal that he's kind of an everyman Uh, but I felt that that was a little bit strange that his name is in the title and yet maybe it's like Tintin or 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 uh, Frodo you know the the main heroes or or the hero archetypes are almost never really interesting (laughs) because they're just that just the hero the 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 villains are more interesting or the gray characters now the father of shang chi is played by an an old uh uh famous hong kong actor and he was amazing this guy has such a gravitas and uh yeah i was i was happy that he was in the entire movie um, because he, he definitely carried the movie. I thought his acting performance was way better than that of Shang-Chi. Um, but all in all, it was it was really entertaining. Um, it still is an American movie. It's definitely not a Chinese movie. Uh, but I think it will do well in China uh, because it is uh, actually, well, as I said, it, it, most of the movie is spoken in Mandarin and it's just subtitled, something they barely do in the United States. Here we're very much used to subtitles. Uh, But it gives it an extra flavor and makes it... Parts of the story did remind me quite a bit of of, of the story of Wakanda, you know, Black Panther. Um, And and maybe the success of this movie, especially in the United States, is also another proof that we are ready for these kind of movies. We don't just want to see, you know, the stereotypical white heroes, classic superheroes. Um, the world is diverse in which we live, so the superhero world should reflect that. And to have all these these cultural elements that are kind of exotic, but also carry some story weight, like especially towards the end, You've got some, I'm not going to spoil it, but whoa, there is this super spectacular end fight, which is, even, it's too much. It's so over the top that all of a sudden it's almost like genre breaking. I felt like I was watching, I don't know, King Kong versus Godzilla, but with different monsters, but it was so spectacular. Um, but I, I I really liked that, that they, they took the design of that entire end sequence straight from Chinese culture and, and, and Chinese uh, uh, depictions. Um, so that was exciting. Um, but it's still told from an American perspective. So the hero is 
has been brought up in in the United States. His girlfriend is Chinese originally, but she I don't think she even knows how to speak Chinese. So she's second generation Chinese and very American and at times at least to me a little bit irritating. I didn't care that much for her character. Um but uh but I guess that, that is a reflection of of the situation in 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 the United States where you have all these, you know, older Chinese that still have, you know, the culture, their Chinese culture and Chinese language background is very important to them. And then you have that second generation or even third generation that knows, like me, I'm I'm like a second generation Chinese. Like for, for those of you that don't know, so my mom is half Chinese. So her mother was Chinese and her father was Dutch. So I'm like basically a quarter Chinese. But since my mom was born in China and and spoke Chinese as a child, I kind of officially am like second generation Chinese, even though I've only been there once and I don't speak a word of Chinese. And I, although I do appreciate the food, I have to say that. But this movie uh, motivated me even more to go kind of maybe teach myself a little bit more Chinese. I know that my grandfather was very good at speaking Chinese. Um, he was able to speak, he spoke Mandarin and also some local dialects, but he did it um, almost flawlessly from, from what I've heard. So people could not tell that he was foreign. And so maybe that's where I got kind of this uh, knack for languages because th that's something that I definitely, um, what I always try to do is approach, not just approach a language from the gram grammar side of things or the vocabulary, but I, I want to I want it to sound like the real language. So for me, the melody is important, uh, the intonation, the the accent. And, and Chinese is hard because there is no language that I know that comes anywhere close. And what it also makes it hard is that Chinese it depends also on a melody. The way in which you in, use inflections in the in the in your phrasing depend uh, uh, or determines the meaning of what you say. And they even joke around with that. So for people that have a little bit of a Chinese background, it's very funny to see how the movie kind of acknowledges that. Um, and it probably goes over the head of a lot of other viewers. So um, it was, it, I, I was really entertained. I, I saw the movie, by the way, in 2D because um, I only have a, a, a subscription to my local theater for 2D movies. If I want to see a 3D movie like I did with June, I have to uh, pay extra. Um, now it's just 150 extra, so I still may do that from time to time. But all in all, you know, I pay, I think, 20 bucks, I think, per month. So if I see more than two movies each month, and I'm definitely planning on doing so, um, then um, I'll, I'll already have uh, made my money back. And, and uh, so, but, but after, after seeing Dune, now this is a huge success. And and I that's why I was very happy to see that there are there's a sequel coming. The Ten Rings will return. By the way, as always, stick around during the credits and after the credits for the for the the extras. Um, but oh, there's one other thing that I really liked, and that is they tie this movie back to a very controversial um, element of the second Iron Man movie. Remember the Mandarin. And, and how so many fans were, were disappointed that they took this the name of this very famous uh, Marvel villain and basically turned it into a, a joke. 
Well, they use that as a as part of the narrative here, and I thought it was very smart what they did, and uh, and that was also a, a very cool. Um, moment where, where from time to time this movie does reconnect with all the other movies that came before it. It doesn't need it. I would have been totally happy if this was completely disconnected from the rest of the MCU. But uh, but they 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 try to weave it in anyway. Um, so that was about it. So yeah, yeah, because I'd already seen Dune and Dune was such a mind-blowing experience. It was unlike any other movie that I've seen in a long, long time. I I was kind of secretly expecting this movie to to give me that same excitement and 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 then at the end it was like oh it was fun but it's you know just I'd say it's just a Marvel movie that that sounds very spoiled because the Marvel movies are really really well well crafted but it wasn't as life-changing I would say as June June I would I would equal that to uh or equate that to to seeing a Star Wars movie. It is so epic, and it's uh, it's, it's an amazing movie. I can't wait to see it again. Um, and and uh, the, whereas Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is is just a, a very good Marvel movie, but it's you know it's it's not fan, it's not super great. So I think that if Dune would have also premiered. Um, in the United States at the same time, um, I I think that Dune would have been top box office and, and maybe Shang-Chi would not have been as successful as it is. I don't know. Just, we, nev- we will never know because, of course, uh, well, there is this uh, slightly uh, uh, be- delayed uh, release of, of, of Dune in, in the United States. I think it comes out around the 20th of October. That's going to be a long wait for those Dune fans, but trust me, it's going to be worth your while. <laughs> Catholics rock! Here at the Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? So in this episode of The Peculiar Bunch, I'm going to talk a little bit about the patron saints of cats. <laughs> Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. But of course, this is also the place where you can ask questions, and sometimes people will ask those questions during the live chat. So, Sebastian... Uh, had a question for the Peculiar Bunch and writes, Father Roderick, I always thought about something and it is whether the good Christians who are not Catholic are seen by God or how they are seen by God. It, 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 is re- it really bothered me lately. Um, so how does God regard Christians that are not Catholic? Well, um, <laughs> it's very simple. God loves everyone and he loves us because we are his children in fact god doesn't even love uh, uh only christians he loves anyone he loves even villains he loves even sinners he can't do anything else because god is love 
What what matters is therefore not how God sees us, but what truly matters is how do we see God? How is our relationship to God? The relationship with God to us is always good. Even when we sin, even if we do the most horrible things, God will still continue to love us and he hopes that his love will win us over. But what I do in life, how I see God, that will determine in many ways my own re- only relationship with God. Say, for instance, you're, you're, uh, you've been brought up with a religion where people taught you to fear God because God is vengeful. God is constantly watching you like some, some, some super um, uh, uh, spy control system. Um, God is going to... Uh, to to put you in hell for for when even if you uh, if you stray away for for one second, um, if you you are brought up with this kind of um, I, I hesitate to call it theology, but this vision of God, then that will determine your own attitude. If you are afraid of God, how can you open yourself up for His love? It's going to be a lot harder. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it is harder. Um, it, this is also true for um, how we see Jesus. Uh, if you most Christians see Jesus as the Son of God, as our Savior, someone who gave His life, who was able to give us forgiveness um, because He took on Himself the cross that we deserved, and um, he he kind of by by giving His life, He gave the ultimate gift. There is no bigger separation between the Son and the Father, between Jesus and His Father, than than Him dying and feeling abandoned by His Father. Uh, we also feel abandonment in our lives, but that is always temporary and it's in a, on a human level. But the stronger the love, the harder and the most painful the separation. There is no greater love than the love between the Father and the Son. It's so great that it's called the Holy Spirit. It is a person. Um, so the moment that, that the cross kind of destroys that, there is, there, is no, there, there is no boundary almost to the suffering. And so all our sins and suffering are kind of enclosed by that sacrifice of Jesus. That's how I see that. And so, but, but if you see Jesus just as an example from the past or maybe a prophet, but on equal footing with so many other prophets. And that will also determine your own hope of salvation, your own way of looking at things. Now, between uh, Christians and other religions, there are sometimes huge differences in how we, how we look at God, how we perceive him in our stories, how we try to understand him and, and, and apply his, his uh, commandments. Sometimes there are, there are traces, I think, in in almost any culture of of well of God Himself. That's the Catholic view is always um, God is communicating Himself, and so even if there are imperfect um, ideas of God, there is still a nugget of truth in there. Even even the 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 worship of all these these um, uh, demi gods and gods like. I don't know Thor and and his brothers and sisters. Um, a, a Catholic would never say that's completely rubbish. That is nonsense. That would all, we would always say, well, those are traces. There are traces of God. There is a certain intuition that there has to be a God, but there is. It's just not revealed to them. God has not revealed to them yet. 
who he truly, truly is. And we believe that that revelation happened through the Bible. So, uh, and through Jesus, the more you get to know the Bible, the more you get to know Jesus, the more you will understand who God really is. And so sometimes misconceptions can also in, impact our actions because we believe that God wants something like, for instance, I, I don't know what kind of uh, God wants you to, I don't know, kill five chickens every day because otherwise you will not win the war. I'm just a random example. Um, then that is that is very different from from, I don't know, a vegetarian Christian who would say, well, I think that God loves all his creatures and he has given us just wonderful fruits and vegetables and we can live by, by just eating that. Why would I kill chickens? And, and, and why would I kill chickens to win a war? It doesn't make sense. Anyway, so your, your point of view, your philosophy, your view of God, um, your perception of, of, of God's revelations throughout history does determine your relationship with God. There, for instance, another example... Sometimes religions will use faith as an excuse to go about killing other people that don't believe. And this has happened in, in, in all the major religions. There's always this temptation to make an absolute of your own, of your own faith and to think that the, the only way to convince your neighbor is by threatening, by using force, by using violence. Um, and, and, and that, of course, is the total opposite of what we see that Jesus does. When Jesus encounters non-believers, non-Jews, uh, Samaritans, people that have a different, you know, set of habits, different culture, he always approaches them with respect, listening them and revealing himself to him. But never with force. He's never saying, you go on your knees now and if you don't, I'm going to just kill you right here and now. Ah! That's, that's unthinkable. And since Christians are called to imitate Jesus in their lives, we should also always have this respectful and, and, and engaging and inviting attitude towards people that don't share our beliefs. And, and always go look for the, for the light in their point of view. Always first try to find what's good because the good always comes from God, no matter in where, in which culture, and which religion. There are traces of God everywhere. And then, of course, there is this further development and understanding of God, what God wants, and that can be a correction to certain aspects of, of religions or certain cultures. Um, so when it comes to Christians, Catholics and other Christians, <laughs> we have we believe in Jesus we read the same Bible we we for for in many respects we we pray the same prayers we even stem from the same forefathers we have the same root only in history people sometimes disagree they fight and they part ways and then their culture develops different from ours um, but uh, that doesn't mean that, that God stops loving us or that he stops bringing people together and helping people to understand one another. So if God looks at my fellow Christian with, with love and patience and, and, and trying to help that person with the, with the Holy Spirit to understand what he wants and who he is, why would I do any different? That would be my reply to that. Um, you know what? I was going to talk about the patron saint of cats. I'm going to 
I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna do that next week. I'll just tell you who it is. It is a Belgian saint. She's called Saint Gertrude of Nivelles, and it's a fascinating saint. I think she lives in the seventh century. But how she becomes the patron saint of cats—that's a story for next week's show. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? All right. No, you're not the only one who did the reading. I did a ton of reading. It has to do with the fact that I'm trying to catch up on my reading challenge. Now, I'm a huge fan of Goodreads, which is owned by Amazon, but it is a community. It was not uh, created by Amazon. It's a community of people that love reading, uh, write reviews, share tips on what to read. And for me, that has been a major source of inspiration for my own reading list. And I, as a child, I was a huge reader. And then for a long time, I barely ever read anything but the strict necessary. So most most of the time because of study. And then later on as a priest, because I was so, just so insanely busy and I was always watching TV, um, almost as a pacifier. So I was so busy. My life was so out of whack in a certain way that I thought the only way to, to relax was to, to watch TV. And just a few years ago, I rediscovered reading as a huge source of of, of relaxation and also I again uh, input creative input gives me ideas I love to read fiction I also love to read nonfiction and science books and, and whatnot so I'm reading everything at the same time um, and my life has truly been hugely impacted by by starting to read again and then in order to to motivate myself to read even more, I've been uh, using the Goodreach Challenge. I started that last year for the first time, and I vowed to read 20, 25 books or something like that, which for me was a lot because I barely read three books a year. Um, I, I made it. I did read uh, a book every two weeks, I think. And then for this year, I told myself, hey, I'm going to read one book per week. And, and that should be possible because every day... I reserve one hour for reading. So usually it's at the end of a work day, so from five to six. So at five I say my evening prayer, and then I have about an hour before I go into the kitchen to cook, and I just read. Uh, but sometimes work uh, takes a bit more time than I anticipated, but then I always have a second occasion to read, and that is when I'm doing my training runs for the Marathon of Rotterdam. And right now I'm in the phase where I'm doing these long runs. So a short run is eight kilometers. Today I did 16 because I had to catch up a little bit because during the weekend I didn't do any running. Um, and this Monday I ran 32 kilometers. So then I'm running for three and a half hours. And, uh, well, I can totally not listen to anything. I don't, never listen to music when I'm running. Um, I sometimes just like to have time to think, but often I will also just listen to audiobooks. And so this week, I finally started to catch up on uh, my reading challenge because of when I set myself this challenge of reading one book a week, I had no idea that just a few months later, I would be kicked out of my house and I had to move to a different town and my life was 
going to be all upside down. So for a number of months, I barely had time to read. Now I'm like 25 books behind on my on my list, but I'm catching up. And so I have been uh, reading five books this week. And let me just briefly tell you. Well, I'll tell you what I'm reading because I'm always reading a number of books uh, simultaneously. I'm not always in a mood for nonfiction. Sometimes I just want to read Wheel of Time and then I have to step away a little bit from, from the fantasy world and I read science fiction. So I've got a number of books that I'm currently reading and I'm going to mention those first. So what's still open on my reading list? I'm reading a, a book called Stiff Upper Lips, which is a funny Belgian book about uh, about British uh, culture and and especially the kind of the quirky nature of some of the habits of of the Brits. It's very funny. Um, also reading the extra extraordinary adventures of Lupin, which is uh, the book that inspired the TV series on Netflix, which was super good. Um, I bought a book called To Sleep in a Sea of Stars by Christopher Paolini. Um, and I read some good reviews about it. I only started reading the first chapter and then I was like, okay, this is too much like other books that I'm reading. So I'm getting confused. So I'm keeping that one on the shelf for now. Um, I read a, an interesting Dutch book on uh, minimalism. It was a short book. But what I liked is that it went f way farther than just, you know, this is how you minimize the amount of stuff that you have. It also applied the kind of the principles of minimalism to every aspect of life you know also your job your 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 goals in life and 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 try to go to what is truly essential um and that will make you happy uh, stuff can cannot make you happy but in a way this book taught me that it's also not the amount of work that you do or the number of projects and i've usually fallen in that trap many times before where i thought that i just had to work 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 to feel that I was doing what I was supposed to do. Well, this book opened my eyes and, and told me that's not the case. Um, I'm still waiting for Ready Player 2. It will be on Storytel, which is kind of like an audible kind of service. It's a, a flat fee subscription service, for, and you they have so many books. But this book, Ready Player 2, is coming in October. So I'll... I'm definitely going to listen to that book right away. I'm reading right now The Grisha 2, which is um, the sequel to Shadow and Bone by Leigh Bardugo. Very entertaining young adult fiction. Um, I started to read a book by Xi Jing Liu, a Chinese science fiction writer, called Ball Lightning. Um, this is a like a one... It's just one book. It's one story. It's about a guy whose parents are killed by ball lightning. And then he, he as a scientist, later on when he's old, he wants to know the secret of ball lightning. And that ultimately turns into a science fiction story. It's very well written. And it's just one book. Because I'm, I'm also, I also want to read the, the, the trilogy that he wrote. I like the three-body pro uh, problem. But I had a hard time getting into that one. Because it's, it's long and it's a bit complicated. Um, I'm also reading a book by Gary John Bishop. It's called Do the Work. Uh, Gary John Bishop is a, a kind of a Scottish life coach. He's very entertaining. Um, he's very direct. 
It's basically, if you want to summarize it, uh, his attitude is stop whining and just try to do what you need to do. And I, it's a, a really a kick in the rear kind of book. And sometimes I like listening to that. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm often falling in, in the trap of self-pity uh, when things don't go my way. And this book helps me to, to quickly snap out of that because it's not self-pity is never helpful. Um, I also found a book called Star Trek Picard, The Last Best Hope. So this is part of the novelizations based on the Picard series. I haven't started reading that one. Seeking the Lord of Middle-Earth by Jeffrey Moreau. I haven't started reading that one. Um, I am currently... Let me go to the books that I have finished already because there's so many that I'm... Uh, still in the process of reading. Uh, this is a book that I discovered on TikTok. I was like TikTok, the algorithm just every once in a while shows me some what they call book talks, which is TikTok uh, clips about books. And there was this lady who appeared in my timeline and she said, oh, I have, for those of you that don't like reading or you have friends that don't like reading, I have five books. I will guarantee you that they are page turners and you will win them over if you uh, if you tell them to read these books. So I, I wrote down the title, so I was curious. And one of those books was called In Five Years, a novel uh, by Rebecca Searle, I think. So, yeah, Rebecca Searle. Apparently the book did very well. Uh, in American bookstores. Um, it is a type of book that I would have never read had it not been for this TikTok series uh, or this video that said it's a page turner. And boy, it was, and I really enjoyed it. The story is about this, um, um, actually, they're two friends, uh, girls. And it, it's very much a book written for women uh, that the entire perspective is is uh, from, for, for, from women. So, so sometimes I'm like, I'm reading it and I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to read this as a man because it's clearly not geared toward to to me. But the story is so good that it it it, it transcends it. Uh, but but it made me aware that there's definitely a certain genre that is that is geared towards women and 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 maybe not towards old women because of course you can't generalize that. And and the same is true for man. Not all men are are the same in taste or or sens sensitivity. But anyway. This book tells the story of these two uh, good friends, and uh, one is the more flirtatious one who has a boyfriend after boyfriend. The other one is trying to control her life. She's very much into counting stuff, preparing. She's overprepared. Has to do with a uh, some youth experiences. We discover that later on. But then, at the very beginning of the book, when she she has a a, a, a fiance and, and well, I think he 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 proposes to her. This is all happening in the first two chapters, I think. So I'm not spoiling that much. So he proposes to her, and then the night after the proposal, she wakes up in a different in a different time in a different place. She doesn't recognize the the apartment. It on the news she sees that it is exactly five years later. But it feels so real, and she's no, she's not with her fiance. She's with a totally different man, and she's clearly very much attached to that man. And and like, but it's so real that she feels like this is not just a dream. This is a prophecy. This is going to happen unless 
unless I do something about it. And then the rest of the book tells you her story, and it is the the climax of the book is just like so good. Because, of course, the entire time you're wondering, like, is this future that she saw in that dream, is that going to happen? And and is it inevitable or not? Can she change it? But what's much more important is, what does it mean, what she saw? What does it mean? What's the true meaning? And the true meaning has nothing... This is not a science fiction book. This is. I, I thought it was going to be like a time travel book or something like that. It's none of that. It is a very human book. It is all about love, about sacrifice, about about well i can't say what it's all about because i would spoil certain plot points but it was a page turner i read this book in one day and even though uh, well again it was not targeted geared towards me it's also well some of the the life choices of the characters wouldn't be my life choices at all but I still thought that there were some some gems in this book and some insights in in uh, in relationships and yeah it was it was moving I, I loved it I really loved it and I it, again it was a book that I never thought I would ever read let alone like um, another book that I finished reading was is called the Myth of Multitasking that was very interesting but I will talk a bit more about that in uh, both in the the next episode of The Walk and also in Father Roderick to the Max. Um, I I read another book which wasn't that good. It's called Courage to be Disliked by uh, Ichiro Kishimi and Fumitake Koga, two Japanese writers. The book is not at all Japanese. It kind of presents itself as Japanese wisdom, but it's not. Um, It goes back to the... um, It's basically a conversation between a teacher and a pupil pupil about the psychoanalytic uh, teachings of Alfred Adler, who is a psychologist from the early times of psychology. So he's a... um, uh, he, he used to be uh, of the school of Freud, but then he, he kind of uh, disagreed with m- much of what Freud said and, and developed his own um, his own theories on, on human behavior. Uh, there are some interesting aspects of it and also some things that I think are completely outdated and um, and don't don't feel right. Like when he, at one point he says, you know, um, there is no trauma. That's one of the his divergent ideas when uh, vis-a-vis um, Freud. So Freud says, you know, all these traumas are determining our life, and Adler says that's too de- deterministic. In fact, I would say trauma does not exist. It is a pretext that so we we use certain events that happen to us as a pretext to not do certain things, and the moment you you set yourself goals, so he calls that. Teleology, teleology, telos in in Greek means uh, end. Um, If if you set yourself different goals, you will also start to change your behavior and you'll be able to step over those traumas. Now, I don't think it's as simple as that, but I did recognize a number of these um, patterns of thought um, in in, in other books as well. If you look at um, some of the self-help stuff, even even um, even Tony Robbins sometimes has this this Adlerian 
approach where he says it's just in your mind just reframe it and 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 right now and attach some strong emotions to it and you'll be fine and um it, reframing is power is a powerful tool but i don't think it always works um because sometimes the 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 the, the scar tissue is too big what people had to go through requires uh, a much less simplistic approach it it does work from time to time it, it definitely has helped me to re- to learn how to reframe certain things and to look at my own behavior as it were from a distance instead of just uh, submitting myself to my rage or my frustrations and whatnot um, but it was interesting to while reading this book I, I I realized how much of this goes back to um, Alfred Adler and his um, and his theories I would love to to hear some you know professional psychologists uh, and and what they think of Adler um, I also finished reading a book by a Dutch author, Adrian van Dis, who talks about a journey he m- made through China. This is like written 30 years ago. Um, I did not like it at all. I mean, he's got a very vivid way of describing his journey, but he looks down on so many people that he sees and he has no comprehension for the culture that he's in. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that, that this, this is one of the books that they would always say it's such a required reading and such a great author. And it's like, I, I misrespect in, in the way he writes. And then I read a book by a French author called Stéphane Garnier, uh, Do and Think as a Cat. And it was kind of silly. If you want to read why um, I posted a short review on my Goodreads account, I'm Father Roderick on Goodreads, in case you're wondering. The scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. So I just wanted to briefly mention that, of course, also scientific research into COVID, into uh, the, 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 the different variants of the virus that are making the rounds, and also the, the, all the scientists that are working on improving the vaccines and, and other treatment uh, ways to treat uh, patients of COVID. That is, that is uh, of course, now uh, being invested in all over the world. I, I, we've rarely seen such a flurry of, of scientific... Uh, uh, concentration and focus as in these times of COVID because of course the threat is huge now one of the things that was a big enigma um, in in this entire pandemic was the effects of long COVID I've been a sufferer of of some of these effects but many other people have been doing much much worse Uh, even Father Henry um, who has only had COVID for about a week and he had very mild symptoms has still not fully recovered his taste. That's scary, because, man, he, he oh, for him it was almost like a cold, but, the, but he lost taste for a couple, of we- uh, couple of days, and he's still complaining that he can't taste wine as he used to taste. He can't f- taste the food. It, it, he has part of his taste back, but it's not the same anymore. I'm so happy that that is not the case with me. I I think I've fully recovered that uh, on that on that level. But I've had other uh, long-term uh, problems due to long COVID, mostly fatigue. Um, I'm super excited that I've finally been able to gain most of my old form back, and with the marathon training, I'm actually doing even better than ever before. Um, I'm I'm still losing weight. I now weigh 74 kilos. So. I've literally lost uh, 
um, in four months, I've lost uh, 10 kilos. No, in three months, I've lost 10 kilos. It's 20 pounds. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm still going down. And it's all because I'm, I'm mu- paying much more attention to what I eat. Um, I'm trying to eat even veggies in the morning. And it, it, so it's a lifestyle change. And I've always done counting of calories and working out. But I feel that I've gone a step beyond that. It's actually like a switch in, in how I eat and what I eat. Uh, and that is making all the difference. So that has been super beneficial when it comes to helping me get better or build up my 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 overall form after after long covid um but i still have sometimes these days where i i'm in bed most of the afternoon it's crazy and it's it's a random i still feel that that is these are kind of lingering remnants of of long covid now for scientists and for doctors it was very hard to treat long covid patients there are many different approaches to it i i think i've been very lucky with the kind of um therapy that i've had because i think they were really onto something they said it this is like a system shock covid it's like having been in an accident and so it's all about slowly building up taking tons of rest uh learning to to pace yourself and then slowly, slowly tell your body constantly like it's safe again. You don't have to stay alarmed. Well, that helped me. But in Germany, they've been treating long COVID patients, I think three patients. So this is far from, you know, conclusive uh, proof. They've been treating, I think, uh, three or four patients uh, with a um, drug that is normally used for heart patients, BC. 007 and what that does it 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 improves the blood flow um and and uh, uh, apparently as a side effect also is stopping the uh microcirculation of harmful auto antibodies so apparently um according to these scientists um, when you contract COVID-19, special an- auto-antibodies start to circulate in the bloodstream. And with certain people, and it's, that's a, actually a huge percentage, I think like 40-50% of the people that have, have had COVID have a form of long COVID as well. These uh, auto-antibodies also damage certain structures within the body, or they may also block circulation. That's why people sometimes get brain uh, malfunction or uh, vision problems or maybe even taste that's also um probably you know part of the of the the system in in your brain that connects sensations or, or connects your 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 pu- your uh, taste buds with uh, the interpretation that kind of gets out of whack and apparently as soon as these patients started to take this drug um, their symptoms started to to uh, diminish, especially the brain fog that a lot of long COVID patients are complaining about, started to dissipate immediately, and as if you know someone was wiping the mirror clean. That is hopeful. I and and uh, it's the first time I think that we've seen um, some a, a drug that actually has an, a, a measurable effect on long COVID patients. Let's hope that they can use that as a basis for further research. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. 
Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. All right, and that one more thing is, of course, uh, the Apple event that happened last week, during which um, they presented a number of of, uh, new devices, or should I say slightly upgraded devices, because this was a very, very small improvement for most of their stuff. Uh, the iPhone 13 came out in four flavors. So if you've got the mini, you've got the regular ones, if you've got the Pro and the Pro Max. Um, the casing is exactly the same. Slightly faster processors, not that impressive. Um, one huge improvement is the camera uh, setup, especially of the the Pro um, iPhone 13s. They've got much bigger cameras. The whole thing becomes a little bit out of unbalanced almost that's what most of the reviewers complain about it's like that the, the iphone gets top heavy um i think it's a, a trade-off for having good cameras but what they've been able to do with software optimization or not optimization with software refine software refinement is even more impressive because they're using the the lidar depth scanner that is built in plus all the other information that they gather from from the the, the photos that they take um, to create a artificial blur um, that is in when you use regular regular cameras um, it's the the depth of field so when you have big lenses that let in a lot of light you can make a shallow depth of field which means that only something that is exactly in one place can be very sharp and all the rest is blurry that which creates depth without reverting to 3d you see that a lot in fact for those of you that are watching me right now on youtube you you can see that i applied that by blurring the background a little bit if you use green screen so i'm currently um pretending that i'm sitting uh in in the millennium falcon near the chessboard um and uh that is a slide that i projected onto a green screen but i noticed when i first started to use these star wars backgrounds that they were super sharp and it just felt fake it didn't feel real and so the trick was to just blur it in photoshop and now the background is slightly blurred and so it gives much more a natural depth of field uh, to the to the the green screen um, that I'm using, so um, Apple can now they could already do that in a portrait mode, for instance, in photos. But now the processor is fast enough to do it with in, in fil- during filming as well. It's still artificial, of course, because these lenses are tiny compared to a DSLR. But it's still impressive that they were able to pull that off. There's still a little bit of focus hunting I noticed in um, in some of the examples that they gave. So. I don't think it is. I don't think I can use it for TV yet, but it's getting awfully close, and it's just very impressive what they've been able to do. So um, it's trickery. It's just software trickery, but still, wow. Then um, the thing that I was most excited about is the uh, is not the Apple Watch because that just has basically a slightly bigger screen, and I think. In terms of performance, it is almost identical to the to the Apple Watch Six, but I'm not in the market for an Apple uh, Watch anytime because it only works with an Apple phone. And currently, I'm using an Android phone. I'm super happy with it, and uh, it's not at the end of its life cycle. So even though I I love what what Apple's doing with the cameras on the phone, 
right now I'm sticking with my Android phone. Um, so no Apple Watch for me. Um, but I was super excited about the iPad Mini. And I was amazed to see that not only did they give it the small border that we see on the other iPads, and I'm a huge iPad fan. I'm still so happy that Cliff Ravenscraft managed to convince me that I had to go for the iPad and not for the Samsung Tablet 7 Plus or something that I was uh, uh, coveting at that time because it's already outdated. You only get two updates software-wise, and then it's done. And, and a lot of the software is not optimized, whereas with the iPad, I've got the big iPad Pro. I use it in conjunction with the Logitech keyboard, which is fantastic. I, I can't go back to just having an iPad without a keyboard. What I like most about the iPad Mini is that they improved the camera, the front camera, which has always been Apple's Achilles heel. Now they gave it an ultra wide angle, a pretty sensitive lens, and it can do center stage. Center stage is um, a so again is software where during when you're on a on a FaceTime call or uh, works with a number of other apps, the camera can follow you because it's such a wide angle. It it, it just zooms in, and because it's higher resolution. Um, the camera can move along with you. So if you walk around, the camera will, and it's just a software trick, will follow you. And if another person enters the, the scene, it will, it will zoom out to show that other person as well. Now, my first thought was, this would be fantastic for mass. As you know, I'm, I'm streaming mass every week. And we've always been doing, well, at first we did that with multiple cameras and the switching system. And it was... You always had to have a lot of hardware and always another person who was directing the cameras. And we had these these swiveling cameras, and but it was such a pain to set up. Then when I had to move and I we, we, we took everything with us, for months I've not been able to do that. And here recently I built a set in, in the attic and it's just a one camera thing. And it's just a wide angle and you see... It, it, the camera itself doesn't move. Now there have there is a, a, a camera that you can use. Um, costs about four hundred bucks, I think. That will actually do what Apple is doing with Center Stage. It will kind of do like this software camera. The thing is, it is a very bad camera. It's not very sensitive to uh, to light, uh, low resolutions, just HD, and then it does a cut from HD, so you get seven twenty p, or even worse. That is not enough for modern-day streaming. The iPad can do HD with in combination with this software zooming. The only thing is, and that is, well, there are two, two issues to solve. First of all, um, you need to be able to have good quality audio. And we, all, we know that Apple took out the headphone jack. So... Uh, which is still so useful. I use it all the time on my phone. I just want it back. Anyway, uh, but there are solutions for that. I can get the Rode. Uh, there is a, a set of, of Rode microphones that one has a USB-C uh, connector. So I think, but it's unproven yet, you can use the receiver and connect it to the iPad and then use this the, the emitter uh, with a microphone as a lavalier microphone. So that would solve the audio. The second thing is, uh, I need to stream. 
And from what I've read, this center stage only works per app. You have to switch it on per app. And so Zoom, the Zoom app works with it. Of course, FaceTime, but as a mixed platform user, I never use FaceTime, um, nor would it be uh, good for, for streaming. And then I think it works with Filmic Pro, which is good because that's a, a, a professional filming app that is used a lot. But I don't see YouTube. I don't see Facebook. So what I fear is that YouTube and Facebook cannot use center stage, which uh, would, um, well, would make it unusable for now. Uh, so I'm hoping that, that it will somehow be implemented by Facebook and YouTube, but I've, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to do it. With with Facebook, I can't even go to my wide-angle camera in, 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 um, in the streaming app. And, and YouTube disables the, the, the motion compensation on my phone when I try to use it. So the, these apps are made for so many different devices. I wonder if they'll make it compatible with, uh, with, with center stage. But... It is almost there, and I think it would. I would be able to stream from anywhere in the world just carrying this tiny iPad with me. Oh, they gotta make it work. It is too convenient. Anyway, with that, I need to start wrapping things up. Sorry, this show took a little bit longer than I thought it would. One hour and seventeen minutes. Wow. Hope you enjoyed it. For my patrons, there's going to be another show. Father Roderick to the max. It will appear in your feed if you are. Uh, subscribe. If you're not, go to patreon.com slash fatherroderick and join the community. Talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. Bye.